everybody is fundamentally the ultimate reality, the self, the deep down basic whatever there is, and you're all that, only you're pretending you're not. Who we are is not this physical body that we're in that is here for a moment and gone. Who we are is this infinite intelligence, and we forget that. The same intelligence that, is, that created this infinite universe that never ends is you. And those of us seeking a way to transform life, to capture fulfillment in every now moment, to redefine our reality to live this life to its fullest. This is the Live This Life Podcast. And I'm your host, Heath Cummings. I'm here to inspire you to ask yourself the question every single day. Are you living? Are you killing time? What's going on, everyone? In today's episode, we are going to be diving into a subject that I am very passionate about advocating for and that is maintaining our mental health and well-being. For those of you who are not familiar with my story, I've dealt with some significant battles with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, or also what I guess my situation was more classified as, as post-traumatic stress injuries rather than a disorder, uh, over the course of the last decade or so. And most of those things resulted from a time period where I'd gone through a whole lot of stuff in my former law enforcement career, on top of surviving cancer twice in my 20s at the same time, on top of a whole bunch of other things that seem to hit me all at once in life. And that seems to be sometimes what happens to us. And I discovered the importance of maintaining our mental health and well-being through professional help during that time period. Now, my discovery was basically when I had reached a point where all of these things have compounded and I had sort of bottomed out in my life. But maintaining our mental health through regular maintenance is something that I've learned to do since then, and I've learned the importance of advocating that for other people. You need to pay attention to so many different key areas of your overall health and well-being, and not just giving attention to things when they seem to get rough or when they get painful like any other injury. So to help me with talking about the importance of this subject and to also introduce an amazing company that provides help in this specialized area, I have Heisu Joe from BetterHelp.com with us. She is a licensed therapist who is going to dive into some of the importance of maintaining your mental health with the help of knowledgeable people like her and her colleagues. We are going to unwrap some of the common challenges that people might go through when trying to improve their mental health well-being. Heisu, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for that introduction, and thank you so much for having me. I am very excited for this episode. This is one that I really feel is a long time coming. Mental health is one of the key subjects that I wanted to focus on when I started this podcast, and I feel like it's an area of our overall well-being that does not get enough focus and attention, yet it's something that I feel it can really negatively impact our lives so much when it's not in balance, and I, and I feel to get the highest level of life fulfillment, we need to overcome many hurdles in our lives to bring us to a genuine sense of happiness. And this sometimes is one of the biggest hurdles. Additionally, I also feel like 
we make it harder on ourselves than it really has to be sometimes to get help in this area and that the perceived stigmas and I guess the mm-hmm. the genuine lack of knowledge on how to approach our mental well-being is one of those barriers that I feel can be easily removed with some education in the subject. Mm-hmm. So I guess to start us off, what can you say to people who might not know anything about what it's like to embark in a form of therapy and maybe speak to some of those fears and perceived stigmas that people might think exist about this process? Yeah, um, what a great question. Um, you know, I think a lot of folks that might be resistant or feel fearful in trying something like this out, it could be because they themselves have this internalized idea that people that go to therapy are weak, people that go to therapy are crazy, and I am not one of those people. Um, and I think there needs to be a shift or it's starting to happen now. We've been seeing it for the past few years. Um, mental wellness and mental health is part of this holistic wellness of who you are. And if you're going to go to the gym to maintain your physical wellness and go to the doctor for your annual checkups, go to the dentist to check your teeth out, um, all the various things that you do to take care of yourself, sticking in mental and emotional wellness is totally part of this equation. Uh, because it's it's the the control center of everything that we do. If our head's not in the right place, if our heart's not in the right place, how can we expect ourselves to make important decisions in our lives effectively? How can we expect ourselves to be present for the people that we care about? Um, it becomes very, very difficult to function at work, at school, um, if our head, like I said, is struggling with mentally and emotional woes. So my selling point really is if you have found yourself ever struggling with anything or ever feeling challenged because of an adjustment in your life or just feeling like your mood is a little bit off and you can maybe benefit from increased insight about who you are, um, I think it's really, really worth it to just consider trying it to see what it's like. Um, I think over the past several decades, we've had this weird mutation or idea that being vulnerable with somebody is weakness. And I want to challenge that because when you are face-to-face with someone you really care about and you think about how hard it is to bring up those difficult topics and conversations, then you can start seeing or framing it in a way that it takes a lot of strength. It takes a lot of will to be able to go there, to open up, to let somebody in. Um, So I guess I want to challenge people's idea that going to therapy makes you lesser because I think going to therapy can actually make you greater. And if that's something that you want in your life, or if you feel like any area of your life could be better, um, it all starts with just what's happening internally for you. And and going to a therapist, um, it's not like this person is going to you know, analyze and reduce your life into something that fits onto one sheet of paper. It's more about exploring so many aspects of who you are and looking at you in the context of relationship and your workplace and all these other main areas of your life um, and identifying ways in which you can cope with stuff healthier and also just um, be better at executive function, at, um, you know, problem solving, decision making, all that good stuff. I completely agree. And, you know, sometimes we're so inundated with life hitting us from a hundred different directions that we we have a hard time identifying, I guess, how to cope when all of those things are coming at us. We can't use the skills that maybe we could use if it's just one or two things at a time. Mm-hmm. And I guess before you know it, it's 
it, we're, we're just compounding it all. We're putting all these things on our shoulders. You know, I guess it's like running a 50 mile marathon, which I think hardly anybody is built to do, but we end up in, in an injured state after that long period of time of just being beaten down and just constantly wearing ourselves down. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm always making the comparisons of things in our lives to training like an athlete like running a marathon on an injury that gets worse mile by mile, sometimes how we treat ourselves in our lives. And if you don't do something about it early, it becomes more painful as the miles go on Mm -hmm. and it could likely take longer to recover. And our mental health is really the same thing from what I've experienced. Mm -hmm. Can you speak to the importance of regular maintenance and not waiting until you are in a breakdown state or you have a significant injury in this sort of area. And, you know, what is the importance of making sure that you're doing something about this on a regular basis rather than waiting until it's compounded into something big? Yeah. And what a great analogy. I can stick in so many other thoughts with this analogy too, like um, athletes, people that work out very regularly, um, I'd like to think that this community is very aware of the need of rest, very aware of, you know, switching it up and not working out the same muscle group the next day, especially if you're very sore, you're probably not going to have the best outcomes with that. Um, And, you know, there's, if you break your leg or break your wrist, like you said, nobody bats an eye for you to go to see a doctor to find healing for this. And nobody's going to question your integrity or how strong of a person you are internally if you decide to take some time off of work because you broke your foot. Um, and once your foot is healed, you know nobody's going to think that you're lesser of a person once you've returned from this thing. Um, but for some reason with mental health, if you are open with certain people about seeking out a professional to help empower and support you towards healing, they see you differently. And, and so I like that analogy that you're talking about, that these are challenges and struggles or injuries that don't have to stay with us for the rest of our lives. We're still the same people. Um, I don't know if this is true. I've never fact-checked this, but I've heard that if you break a bone and then it heals, it's stronger. I think I've heard that somewhere. I don't know if that's, that's true or not, but I'd like to bring that into mental health stuff. You know, If you go through treatment and you have increased insight and you figure out better coping skills to navigate this life and this world, you come out stronger for it on the other side. It kind of gives us tools in the toolbox to deal with fixing some of the problems in our lives, right? Right, right. So I'm thinking back to some of the first times that I ever went to get help and I realized it was time, um, or actually way past time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I just remember what it took to convince myself, which was one thing. Um, but then I remember how nerve wracking it was to go to the in-person process of walking into this office building, not knowing what to expect. And of course, it was ultimately nowhere near as bad. I was making it out to be in my head at the time. And I guess most of the most difficult portions of the process were what I felt other people were going to think of me if they knew where I was going and why. Mm-hmm. And in all reality, no one was actually looking down on me. It was my perception about what I thought people might look at me like. And I found that the stigma was not as bad as I was making it out to be. And if mm-hmm. you know, people do judge you for something like that, maybe they should be getting some therapy themselves. Um, but I do have to say, some of, the, some of the most difficult perceptions I had about the process, uh, they were worse in my head than they were in real life. Yes, definitely. Um, Reminded me of a quote from the great Dr. Seuss, um, the late Dr. Seuss, 
those, I might be mixing up the words here, but those who matter don't mind and those who mind don't matter, you know? So um, that's something that I really do think emerges for a lot of people in therapy is um, just an enhanced presence of self-efficacy and better self-esteem and, um, you know, strengthened sense of self. When you feel good about yourself, when you feel sure about yourself, it doesn't matter what other people are saying about you. It doesn't matter what you think other people are saying about you because you know you. And, and that's so important. And one other thing I'd like to share about uh, as someone who's been through a process of, of healing and moving on to the other side of some uh, pretty traumatic things to a really high state of well-being is that we shouldn't judge what we've been through compared to other people. That's one of the biggest things I've learned mm -hmm. in, in that the judgment that we have on others sometimes, uh, and especially ourselves, but all of that judgment needs to be something that we drop out of the way that we operate altogether. In my experience in digging through some of my, my stuff that I'd gone through, I had witnessed a lot of other people go through a lot of bad things. Mm -hmm. And it was not necessarily my own trauma, but the things I witnessed other people go through that I had judged myself on. I was curious mm -hmm. as to why I was having such a hard time when it wasn't something I actually had gone through, yeah. someone else went through it. And other people go through so much worse stuff. But in the process of uncovering all of these things that accumulated, I learned that this too is something that can also weigh heavily on us, whether it's law enforcement or nursing. Mm -hmm. But over time, we can see all these things and it starts to weigh on us. You know, especially I think in the medical field recently, uh, it's been a whole different game in the last few years. And I can't imagine what weighs on some of those people's shoulders. But, you know, these difficult challenges come in so many forms and can definitely accumulate on us over time. Mm -hmm. no, I was just um, taking in everything that you're sharing here. And then it's hard to kind of imagine what that does to a person, right? And, and um, vicarious trauma is a huge thing in public safety and, um, you know, just being witness to or even just hearing about the trauma that happens to other people strongly impacts folks. So, a lot of people in different professions are really prone to this stuff, um, including but not limited to law enforcement, um, EMTs, social workers, CPS workers, therapists, teachers even. Um, so, I think even if you yourself are not living a traumatic life day in and day out, if you are one of these helping professional people, um, I think that it's it's also good to keep yourself in check and stay tuned to your mental and emotional processes and go see somebody when it's appropriate for that. You know, I think one other thing to mention too is that, uh, you know, something that can make this harder is number one, if you're an empath, mm -hmm. if you're someone who has a high sense of empathy toward what others are going through, uh, or maybe if you've been through some of these traumas that you might witness in certain career paths, you know, people you cross paths with mm -hmm. in these professions, and you've dealt with something like that similar in the past, it can make it worse, it can sort of drum up those things for you. But also that it doesn't have to be as extreme as something like being in, in public safety, military or law enforcement, any of those things, that these kinds of, of triggers can happen to people in normal life, in normal office environments, mm -hmm. whether you have that coworker bully or you know an abusive boss, abusive people that you work with, all sorts of things can trigger these experiences that we've been through in the past and it can drum up those things, which is just another example of the types of things that we need to do regular maintenance on ourselves with to maintain a good sense of overall mental health. Absolutely. And 
I mean, in the field, we refer to, you know, overt uh, experiences of violence, of a threat to your safety. This is big T trauma, um, but there's also little T trauma. Little T trauma includes emotional abuse or neglect, loss of a loved one or a pet even, um, being bullied at work or in the school. Like, all these things are also traumatic because what trauma is, is a disruption to your sense of safety. So it doesn't matter if you are in war or not, but if you are now living in a body that feels like the world is not a safe place, it's going to be really hard to sleep. It's going to be really hard to concentrate. You're probably going to develop hypervigilance. Um, and when you're constantly paying attention to everything that's around you, it takes away from the ability to bring your attention to what's right in front of you, which might be your family, which might be really important things um, in relationships, your kids even. Um, so super important to you know, explore different ways in this life to learn how to enjoy life and see the beauty in it. And as you mentioned, you know, you worked with veterans and I know I have a lot of friends that are veterans. I've, I've spoken about some of these things with people who are veterans mm -hmm. and some of the people whose trauma you might deal with, you know, their, their traumas are, are maybe far away. You know, their quote unquote battlefield is overseas and they're here, they're working on it. it it's a difficult thing, but uh, you know, maybe they're removed from that portion of their life or something that happened maybe in their childhood and they're sort of removed from it. Mm -hmm. But there's this whole other world of people who this is important for because they have to mm -hmm. deal with this five, six, seven days a week in their fields of work. So their battlefield isn't far removed. It's there every day when they walk out of the front door. It's It's every day of their lives in some of these professions. Yeah, I mean, with all of these people that you've listed, like, we're all just human. And I, I do think that our brains and our internal systems are constantly working to try to protect us, to try to be efficient machines. Um, and so some of the things that I think have evolved with us to try to keep us safe, they don't always make sense in the context of where we are anymore. Like it makes sense in the battlefield to be hypervigilant. It makes sense in the bat battlefield to sleep very lightly um, it makes sense in that context to push people away emotionally because you have a mission and you need to do this thing. But once you're back and trying to adjust to your civilian life or even a nurse that's out of the OR and trying to enjoy a soccer game with her family, um, if you constantly bring all these things that are helpful for you in a certain context, but they don't make sense where you are, life becomes so hard to enjoy. And it's, it's almost like a sense of betrayal. Like these systems inside of me are supposed to protect me, keep me safe and help me live. And now it's, it's turning around and biting me in the butt. So I feel like therapy is one of the options where you can figure out um, how to distinguish what things are helpful and what things aren't in your current situation and your current context. And I can definitely sympathize with some of what you just said, like the nurse at the soccer game, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you're, you're zoning off and you're trying to be there, but then something that's happened to you in your day or in your life or whatever, you know, you have that hypervigilance kick in, you know, those skills that made you good at your job or the skills that kept you alive in one of those circumstances resurfaces at the wrong time. Right. And you know, those thoughts, those thoughts all resurface along with it. And then you end up in that mode of operating when you're not actually in that circumstance yeah. anymore. And that can affect your day-to-day -day operation of, of mm -hmm. life and enjoyment mm -hmm. of life. And you know, like, a, uh, sorry, I just had another thought with this. Um, 
what am I trying to say? <laughs> what are the right words? You know, children who are growing up in a home that's abusive or emotionally neglectful, they start developing skills or, you know, different things or behaviors in their lives to protect themselves emotionally. And that can look like numbing their feelings, um, really just stopping the attention on the person in front of them. And then they grow up and they turn into, if all this stuff goes unchecked, uh, dissociated adults, people that can't connect emotionally with other people, people that are very unaware of their own internal experience because they've lived a whole life teaching themselves not to feel because that is what protected them so long ago. Um, so a lot of these things that we pick up in various places, like 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 we are saying now, it, it can betray you if you don't figure out how to make it work for you in a healthy way. You know, I'm thinking back to some of the things that that can prevent us in getting assistance in this area, you know, the the things that might prevent us from seeking help, those barriers that I spoke about earlier on, sometimes, it, you know, it's the professions that we're in and the expectations that can go along with it. You know, like I mentioned, public safety a lot, because that's where I was, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, be, that we have to be this invincible robot. You know, you know, these professions where you're just not allowed to have a breakdown, you know, you're not supposed to have any feelings, you, you know, you don't, you don't uh, miss a beat, you're not supposed to be human at all. Or maybe there's these family expectations where, the the things that happen are supposed to stay within the walls of the house you know they don't they don't leave there all those traumatic things that might have happened you're not allowed to talk about them mm -hmm. or even that that bs toxic masculinity that guys have to be tough and that they can't be uh, you know sensitive and they can't get in touch with the things that that might be bothering them you know how do those types of people move past those challenges of things that sort of make them suppress the willingness mm -hmm. to speak out yeah. about them Toxic masculinity. I mean, um, for listeners that are not super familiar with what this concept or idea is, like, I'm sure you could do a whole episode just on this. Um, you know, it's it's it involves like cultural pressures, sometimes extreme cultural pressures to think, feel, and behave in a particular and certain way, based on you know the notion that manliness is about dominating other people or being aggressive, being headstrong, all this stuff. Um, and then somehow in here, there's also this idea that men need to avoid expressing emotion or vulnerability. And, you know, toxic masculinity also affects women and femme presenting folks. Um, this idea that masculinity means being stoic and strong, both emotionally and physically. It, it turns into toughness or anti-femininity even, or just like a, um, a thirst always for power. And, and this can turn into then this other thought that you can't reach out for help, that you can't be altruistic to other people. Um, uh, so it's just, it can be so detrimental to someone that's, that's, you know, being kind of controlled by this and maybe not even aware. Like it's just a poison that, that, is working on you and everyone else around you, right? Mm -hmm. um, definitely something that I feel doesn't get enough attention out there in the world, but I feel like it's also getting more of a spotlight than it has in the past. So that's also a great benefit if you think about it. I guess, you know, it's, it's coming to the surface, but it's also helping a lot of people work through it. Uh, so we, we talked a lot about the reasons to embark upon this path of wellness and who it might be 
for and who it might benefit. But let's talk a bit about BetterHelp specifically, you know, because this age of telehealth is something that is just coming into fruition and BetterHelp is really on the forefront of it all. What is this service and how can people benefit from it? Sure. Um, well, it's a it's a platform, so you can visit this website on your computer by just going to BetterHelp.com, and we also have mobile apps available in the App Store and the Google Play Store. And through this app, when you're first getting started, you're going to go through, I mean, if you're interested in getting started, you're going to go through and start an intake questionnaire. So if you've ever had therapy before, it's very similar to something that you've already done. And based on the information that you provide us about how things have been for the past couple of weeks, what it is that you're looking for in terms of areas of expertise from your therapist, and even getting a chance to mark some demographic preferences for that potential therapist of yours too, um, what BetterHelp will do is match you with a licensed therapist. And then the interactions that come after that are between you and this person, right? You can schedule live sessions, and that's in the form of video, phone, or instant message. Um, and in between those sessions, you can also communicate what we call asynchronously. So that just means not in real time, kind of like an email. Um, and the benefit of doing this is that it's an option, right? It's, it's an option that exists when meeting a professional in person may not be accessible or may not be safe during this unique time in our human history. Um, and... I, I can't think of a reason not to want to consider something that will better your self-esteem, your perspective and outlook on life, your ability to cope with life's challenges, interpersonal relationship issues, job struggles. Um, so really the benefit here is self-improvement um, and learning to really appreciate and love yourself in a kinder and a better way. Yeah, I feel like we don't do that enough. So many of us don't do that enough that we don't treat ourselves kind enough. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I feel like that translates out into the world and your relationships with others. Um, you know, one of the other things I'd like to say about uh, what I feel that separates better help from from other forms of therapy, even in person help, uh, is that sometimes finding the right person for you is sometimes part of the problem. I had to find several different therapists that I, I just didn't approve of. It just wasn't a good match. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you start down the right path, you kind of like go through your whole story, you think you're making progress, and then eventually you just kind of realize the, the person you're working with just isn't a good match. And, you know, but that might be one of very few people in your region. And, you know, you don't have that many people to pick and choose from. But with better help, the types of demographics and the specialized attributes that you can choose from with the person mm -hmm. that you select to work with, they're just very, very highly customizable, which was a huge draw for me. And one thing that I found very unique about the service. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're describing being limited to a certain physical radius, and that could be because of your access to transportation, just logistics in life. Like, do I want to drive two hours to get to this therapy appointment? Um, and you're right with teletherapy, not just better help, but so many different companies that are emerging and doing very similar things. Um, we're no longer constrained, restrained, whatever you want to say to our zip codes. We can find professionals who have specializations that we don't need to drive to. Um, and we can meet just through the comfort of wherever it is that you are, as long as you have a solid internet connection. I want to backtrack a little bit because as you were speaking, I thought of this analogy um, of your personal experience, and I'm, I'm really appreciative that you're so open about it. People that wait until there's a serious thing that they need to address, now the treatment 
can be a lot more expensive. It can be more costly. It can be uh, more invasive. And it made me think of dentists, you know, like you can ignore your teeth for years and years. And then all of a sudden you finally go in because you have so much pain, your teeth are rotting. You need five root canals. You need all this extensive work done. But if you had just been going to your regular cleanings every six months, um, it could have been preventable. And, and I think of mental health in that way too. You don't have to wait until you're having panic attacks every day. You don't have to wait until you realize like, well, my marriage is in shambles before you decide to get help. And even now when you look at dental insurance, many of these providers are changing up what they cover. And now they're covering four cleanings a year because it's more cost-effective for them for you to be in preventative care versus paying for all those root canals down the road. And I guess, again, I wanted to stress the the thing that was so fascinating and attractive about BetterHelp was just the ability to find the right person with such customizable preferences mm -hmm. that, that mm -hmm. really, I feel if you have a, a very relatable person, Mm -hmm. that they can basically help you a bit more because they understand you in your life more and therefore they can understand a bit more of what you might be going through and how to help you, I guess, more effectively because of that that relationship and mm -hmm. the synergy that you might have between you and this person. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you're describing most in-person care is your your pool of available people that you can turn to, it's finite. And, you know, BetterHelp's network is also finite, but now your reach is a lot farther. Um, and so you mentioned some of these things, but you'll be able to specify whether you're looking for a male or a female counselor, um, therapist. Uh, I believe you can also select for non-binary if that's something that's meaningful to you. Um, you know, you can also search based on uh, whether your therapist is conservative-leaning, liberal, um, Christian-based, non-religious. Um, those are just some of the things off the top of the head. But you know, when you go through and fill out this thing, there's a whole checkbox list of stuff that you can mark off that's important to you. And for the therapists on their accounts, they're marking clients that request this, this, and this would be good matches for me. So as an example, to put this into real life context, on my account, I've said, folks that are looking for a therapist of color, they would be a good match for me. Folks that are looking for a therapist that specializes in cognitive behavioral therapy, I can mark that as something in my preferences. Um, and that's one of the beautiful things that BetterHelp has developed here is a matching system to hopefully get you to a therapist that makes sense for you, not just with their expertise, but all these demographic things that you've brought up too. And one of the other things that I actually loved about the service was if you do happen to find somebody and it turns out not to be a good match over a certain period of time, you can easily switch them up on the fly. It's really not that difficult to sort of just shift on to a different person if you want to try a different therapist. Yes, because even if you check all the boxes um, and you end up being a perfect match on paper, we're still people. And what happens in therapy is a human connection. And if you don't have that connection with someone, if you're not clicking with someone, you don't feel safe with someone, then my suggestion is to continue trying until you find that right match for you. Um, because you really want to find somebody that you feel confident in, but also someone that you feel safe with. So we do make it very easy and very straightforward to change therapists at any time for whatever reason, no questions asked. Um, well, I mean, we do ask you some survey questions to better understand your experience. Um, but, you know, just click a few things and then you'll be able to change therapists at any point as many times as you need to during your journey. 
And I guess one of the other very important questions I want to ask is, you know, I guess what can people expect from the onboarding process? And, you know, if they're Mm -hmm. in sort of a trauma circumstance, if they really feel like they're at a breaking point, is this the right type of thing that they should be going into? Mm -hmm. I will say that BetterHelp is not a crisis service. So if you are at the end of your rope, um, if you're feeling like you cannot go on anymore, you have hopelessness, you have plans, you have intent, and now you have means to do something, gravely harm yourself or other people, BetterHelp is not appropriate for you. You should be reaching out to crisis services. You should be calling local law enforcement to come help you. Um, But if you're not in crisis, if you're not having these grave thoughts of imminently harming yourself or other people, um, what you can expect when signing up is that you're going to fill out a few dozen questions about yourself. Um, And I think that should take anywhere from like 10 to 30 minutes, depending on how long you're going to spend on this thing. Um, And once you get all the information sent to us about what you're looking for, what your presenting concerns are, um, it can take around 24 hours, often less, 24 to 48 hours, depending on availability of therapists at that time, but often less than that. Um, to get matched with somebody and you can start talking to them right when you're matched. You can even schedule a session right when you're matched. Um, So for those that have experienced looking for an in-person therapist, for example, through their insurance panel, it's a much faster process than that is. You know, you're not going through sifting through this long directory, leaving a bunch of voicemails for these people waiting for all of them to call you back just to tell you that they're not taking new clients. Um, That experience we've eliminated. We've made it super easy for you to get matched up and talking to someone as quickly as possible. And then going back to that thing we said earlier, if that's the person that's not for you, then you can change therapists pretty quickly too. And at that point, you've already given us your questionnaire and you don't have to do that again. And that was just one important thing that I wanted to cover before we started to wrap up. And also one other thing that I wanted to dive into real quick was this changing terminology between PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and PTSI, post-traumatic mm-hmm. stress injuries. If you could break that down quickly for people, because I think that understanding the difference in these levels of, of right. what people might be going through can help them better understand what it is they they may be dealing with. Yeah, I, mean, I think, you know, there's a connotation that a disorder is, is chronic. It's something that's hard to get rid of and... Um, you know, in, in the field of mental health, professionals, pr- practitioners, we have something called the Diagnostic Statistic Manual, it's DSM, and it just lists out every mental health diagnosis in there. And all, most of them are called some kind of disorder. But I do think um, for the general public, there's this association with disorder and serious illness. And I like the idea of thinking of it as post-traumatic stress injury, because an injury is temporary. An injury, there's an instilled hope that the prognosis is good here because there's healing, there's treatment available to you. And I really do think that if you have hopefulness, if you have some motivation and you have a good support system, um, there is healing for you. And there's so much research going into um, post-traumatic stress treatment. There's so many options now when it comes to what you can look for for individualized therapy. There's support groups and group therapy. Um, You know, I think we want to move away from the idea that PTSD means you have shell shock from World War I, right? It's it's more that most of us have experienced something traumatic in our lives. Because remember, trauma just means there's been a disruption to your sense of safety and finding healing for that 
maybe it feels a little bit more attainable when we think of it as an injury versus a chronic illness. And that was something that really stuck heavily with me, you know, that I that I thought in the beginning, maybe I was going to be dealing with this this thing forever until I learned more about it. You know, not saying that a, a that PTSI is strictly temporary. I mean, the injury could be one that is very long term. It could become chronic like a disorder. But understanding these things, mm-hmm. I guess, was pivotal in the healing and maintaining process so that I was able to just better understand what was going on with me and that it's it's not just all a one size fits all sort of thing, that, that you're not damaged goods and that some mm-hmm. people do get better and some people do have to do maintenance for a very long time on some of these things. You know, some people don't get cured, like you've said before. So, you know, understanding it all is in, in gaining insight to what you actually are going through helps, I think, with the healing right. process, or at least it helped me. Right. And, and I do want to say, like, even if you are experiencing a chronic illness or chronic pain, you know, a lot of people ther- in therapy are experiencing chronic pain from a variety of different injuries or something that's going on in their body physiologically. Um, I, you know, therapy doesn't make certain things go away. It helps you learn to manage this stuff and how to cope with it and not continue navigating life while existing, you know, like therapy doesn't make anxiety in your life go away. And it doesn't guarantee that you'll never feel depressed again. Um, you know, our spectrum of moods is so big and that's actually a really cool part about being human is that we can have all these different feelings. We can talk about them with other people. We can have really nice experiences relating to each other, trying to paint a picture of what's going on inside of us. And with therapy, again, it's not making anxiety or depression go away. It's helping you navigate this stuff and think about it differently in ways that make sense for you. It helps you accept some of these things in life so that you can feel comfortable in your own skin um, and so that you can continue feeling safe too in various environments. Yeah, and those those regular check-ins and that maintenance you know, even when the times are good, you know, that's good to do. And it's got to be an ongoing thing. I've had things going really, really well over the last couple of years. And I've let this part of my life sort of fall to the wayside and I've recognized it, especially in the run up to this episode. And I I think that it's just something that we need to stay on top of. You know, we always need to stay on top of our physical health, not when we're just trying to slim down for the summer, not when we're trying to just get Mm -hmm. ready to go on a a cruise or something like that. We got to look our best. And it's the same thing with our mental health. Mm -hmm. We need to stay on top of it at all times. And one of the other things I want to mention is the convenience of this service, especially for a lot of the people who were the subject of our conversation today, people with these, these very stressful and hectic jobs that have a lot of shift work where they're working late nights. You know, the last thing they want to yeah. do is go see a therapist after they've worked an 11 to 7 shift, you know. So the convenience of this service just fits into so many of these tough lifestyles. Yeah. And the multiple ways to communicate with a therapist other than a video call, I think, is another thing to mention that could be very valuable to a lot of people. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of people might not be in the headspace to sit and talk with someone, but you certainly might have some mojo left to write about your day or write about something that's been bothering you. You can start writing this thing and come back to it later. Um, And that's another form of communication with your therapist that you can do through BetterHelp. And I'll also end uh, with this one other thing that some of us in our day-to-day lives, we just don't know where to turn to for some of this advice. And before I had sort of reached the point where I I knew the importance of all this, 
like, you know, you turn to certain people in your life. You turn to people who are there, who are going to lend an ear. And sometimes maybe they're not the greatest ones to be giving us advice in some of these areas. I know I've done that in my own life. I know a lot of other people have done the same thing. And we tend to turn to these people who are there to listen. And right. we just, we get advice that sometimes is more of a detriment than it is a good. You know, they think they're not ill intended. You know, they don't think that they're doing anything wrong. And they think that the advice they're giving you is good, but it may not be exactly what's going to move us forward in our lives. It's not their forte, so to speak, you know? Right. You're you're reminding me of like, I've just spilled all of my anxious thoughts to you. And the advice you give me is to try yoga. Yeah. You don't think I've been doing that? Um, or, you know, your, your family and friends, those that are very close to you, the people that you might feel even more comfortable talking about this stuff with, they really mean well. You mentioned you might be going to the worst people for this stuff, but sometimes the worst people really, really mean well and their intentions are good. Um, but often the advice we get minimizes the issue. You know, it's going to get better. You'll be fine. And sometimes right. that's like the opposite of how you're feeling. Um, and often when you want to work through something that's a mental or an emotional challenge or struggle, avoiding it, like we've been talking about this whole time, is not the right way, right? If I tell you to never think about a pink elephant, that's probably the only thing you're going to be thinking about. I'll remind you not to think about the pink elephant tomorrow, but you'll probably think about it as soon as I say that. So, um, you know, maybe it's about meeting that pink elephant and figuring out why he keeps visiting us. And so we can work through this and, and we can both part ways in a healthy and a happy way. <laughs> it's a great analogy. Um, you know, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking to everyone about this. I know that this is something that a lot of people are going to benefit from, you know, especially the last couple of years have been very tough on so many people, so many folks going through so much unique and difficult circumstances. I just know how valuable this conversation is going to be for so many people and just saying thank you very much for the profession you've chosen to take on, that you're you're out there helping people to live their best life through gaining the best possible mental health that they can have. And you and your mm -hmm. organization, I think you're going to help a lot of people. And I really hope a lot of people benefit from this service. And I hope that this has been valuable to people. Awesome. And and you know, if if you're wanting to check it out, but you're not quite at that step that you want to take the plunge and get matched with someone, you can just check out the website um, and really look at it on a computer or a mobile browser. Because if you open the app, you're not going to be able to see all these different pages I'm talking about. But if you just go to betterhelp.com, you can go to our FAQ. There's a ton of different questions there that you might have. So you can see those answers before you jump in. You can also email our team at any time, contact at betterhelp.com with any questions about the service that you might have. Um, and somebody should be getting back to you within a day or so. So um, even if you're on the fence so far, I encourage you to just do some exploration. And maybe BetterHelp's not the right option for you, but it could be that a different therapy option is out there for you. So I just want people to always know that this is an option, but there's so many other things that could fit you too. So it's for mental and emotional wellness, it's so important to find an individualized plan that makes sense for your specific needs. Absolutely. I'm very grateful for you stopping by the show, Hey Sue. And I know a lot of people are going to get tremendous value out of this conversation. So thank you for stopping by and thank you for all the work that you do for the world. Thank you. And right back at you. Thank you for all the work that you're doing too. If you're interested in embarking on your own journey of improved mental health well-being, head over to betterhelp.com forward slash live this life. The link is also in the top of the show notes. 
but listeners of the show will enjoy 10% off their first month with BetterHelp. Until next time, live your best life through increasing all the areas of your personal well-being, especially this very important piece that we talked about today. We'll see you next time.